Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to Insurance for the New Possible, a Chubb conversation. We are joined today by Om Bhatia, the head of digital revenue growth at Chubb, and Neil Trinidad, the chief marketing officer at Gcash, and formerly the VP and head of new businesses. Thank you both so much for doing this. How are you doing, by the way? Awesome. Very happy to be here. How was your flight? It was good. It was better than expected. How far is it from the Philippines to here? It's about three and a half hours. Okay, Although so today it was fast. It was around three hours. So it's not that bad, actually. Yeah. yeah Where were you coming from? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm based in this oh, office. You're leaving today, though. I am. I am. Like that. Um, okay. Welcome to Chubb office. It's, it's such a nice office. I'm so impressed. The coffee's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody says this exactly. about the coffee. It's so fancy. Yeah, it's <laughs> That's right. The we first were... thing we do is bring people coffee from Abarissa to make sure they, they like the office. They feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay, look, before we get into the central part of this conversation, why don't we get a little bit of your background for some context and let's start with you. Sure. Thank you. So, so I've been in um, insurance and banking industry for 18 years. Okay. And I've done everything from digital transformation to digital distribution and everything in between. Uh, and uh, at Chubb, I focus on digital growth for my existing um, uh, digital partners and businesses. And my job's very easy. It's about uh, driving customer adoption and satisfaction. Got it. Neil? Okay, so I'm a marketer by profession. I've been doing this for quite a long time. Uh, I started off in FMCG. Uh, then I moved to Google, then I moved to e-commerce, and now wow. I'm in fintech. Uh, today in Gcash, uh, which is the number one e-wallet in the Philippines, uh, I look after our new businesses, which includes InsureTech, which is so exciting. I, I like to say that insurance is exciting. Um, I also look after crypto and data APIs. So an entirely different field, but also an exciting space with so much opportunity and so much potential. But entirely different from what? I mean, crypto, at some point, all of these things are merging together, right? That's if you, true. If you think, and tell me where I'm wrong here, but if you think that like finance and technology drive the growth of every business and kind of it's the grease that kind of oils the world's businesses, what's happening in crypto is definitely going to come into insurance as well. Exactly. No? It's all converging at some point. Completely, right? right? And it's good to get to know all of this technology ahead of time and see how you can use technology to help address or solve problems. So this, go ahead. Uh, can I just add one thing? He, he said insurance is awesome. Before he said crypto was, he's excited by That's insurance. That's true, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know the way, but you both know the way I feel about this, yes, right? Yes, yes. Is that for those people out there that say, oh, insurance isn't sexy, I want to stop the conversation and go into another room. Yeah, well said. That's and, true. And but I mean, one thing that works for insurance all the time is it's, it follows trade, right? And if we look at insurance and now with the digitalization and how e-commerce is picking up, and that's why insurance is moving to e-commerce and embedded solutions. You talk about crypto, when it enters the universe, I know insurance will be part and parcel of that game. So can we talk about this a little bit? Sure. I like to pull on threads, right? Because again, I don't think you can remove who you are mm. from what you do, particularly if you're doing it well. But how do you get from fast-moving consumer goods into insurance? Because you go what FMCG into Google, into e-commerce. Into e-commerce. Into, into insurance. And I feel like you're just going to drill down back into e-commerce, into Google, which is essentially a data and advertising yep. company and marketing. Correct. Back into FMCG, which gets you to relevance. And something I think you like to say, which is insurance goes to where the people are. Yeah. And the people are there in FMCG and e-commerce. So how did that happen? Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, right, I've moved different industries. But the principles always remain the same. What is that? And that's you need to understand who your consumer is, what their barriers are, and what is a problem that you believe you can solve. At the end of the day, insurance is not always top of mind. Let's face it. The Philippines today, 110 million people, right. 2% insurance penetration. 
So even if there's 80% awareness, at 2% penetration, it shows you that there's so many barriers, right? So what I love about this job is trying to understand what are those barriers and how can we work together with partners like Chubb to address them. So can I ask this, though? What drives penetration? And and I want to give a little bit of context to this as well. Because I, I want, it's not just a do I know about this product thing. Is there a GDP per capita issue as well where financial services at scale, but insurance in particular, become relevant once you have something to protect? Yeah. Is that fair? That's a great question. And, and I think how insurance was probably 10 years ago was comprehensive insurance at a certain price point. That's not affordable when we talk about GDP. Right. Uh, what what is happening right now is people, while earning and making e-commerce transactions, are using a lot of their hard-earned money to buy things and improve their lifestyles. And that's where insurance is now seeping in, becoming micro and trying to adopt to that needs and those lifestyles and protect them because they are very important. So right. from comprehensive moving down to the relevance and the product that people are currently consuming. The Philippines is an underinsured country. The average daily age, uh, daily wage earner earns $10 a day. Got it. Right? $10 a day. We call them the hustling mass. They work really hard, but they are a sickness away from poverty. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they cannot afford the expensive comprehensive insurance plans. But the magic is in understanding how can you make insurance part of their everyday use cases. So I'll give you an example. Because it. it's something we're really proud that we've done together with, with Chubb is our uh, Bill Protect. So it's a product we're in. If you're paying a bill... On Gcash, say you're paying your telecom bill for $10. Right. For less than 1% premium or 10 US cents, you can get insured with personal accident coverage of up to 36 times your bill amount for the next 30 days. So you'll get around $360 worth of insurance coverage for 30 days. And the magic about this is it's a seamless part of the user journey. So insurance has... I'm going to use the word history twice, but has historically been a sort of looking backwards, data-based way to use actuarial math, right? To then understand, how do I price this? But in a country where 2% penetration or single, low single-digit penetration, how do you price and how do you use technology? And both of you can answer this, right? That type of product, right? So how do you take advantage of data and technology to price that product so that you can understand what the real risks are associated with 36 times the bill when there is no history That's true. for that? How does that work? So Bell said, um, Gcash is an example, taking bill protect, right? While we're looking at a transactional risk of $10 and 10 cents of premium, right. what we have the opportunity to is look at the number of transactions, the frequency, the background, the overall risk composition or expense composition of that user. That allows us and gives us confidence in terms of what the price parity should be, what the expected loss ratios are. Right. But with technology today and the data that we have today, we are very agile, right? We, we make hypotheses. We, we decide. You, you smile on the word agile, which is very interesting. <laughs> uh, uh, no, because I'm just thinking about the next... I, I'm, I'm smiling about something else, mm-hmm. but agile I do completely understand, but go ahead, because there's so much here. Yeah, so, yeah? so the amount of data that we have and the technology being agile allows us to flexibly keep adjusting our proposition, our price, even our coverages from time to time, because 
it's important to be relevant and relevant not just in a journey but relevant to that customer yeah. from where the customer background comes from that's so true if you look at gcash today gcash has 66 million users that's 80% of the adult population in the philippines right more than half of that is fully kyc'd So what makes it good what makes it easier is we have a fully KYC base. So KYC know your customer. Yeah. Know your customer. Go ahead. Yep, know your customer. Um and we're able to already get that data, right? So whereas if you're applying for a traditional insurance policy, you'd have to go through all of the paperwork. Here, it's a KYC based. Uh Does that mean to get a GCash account, I already have to do some KYC correct. stuff. So I already have to give you some information which I opt into. I give it to you so that I can get access to that product. So by definition, you already have the data. That's correct. So I wanted to share some insights because I love what Om said about data, right? Yeah, And please. we have a lot of data that we can look into Go ahead. in terms of modeling. We found out that our core user of Bill Protect is lower income Filipinos. Makes sense. Um and the average sort of premium value is around 20 cents. Yeah. And they're for that product, for that product Go specifically, ahead. which is different from the other products we right. have. And Go we ahead. found out that the top use cases or the top billers that they're paying for is number one loans, which was surprising. Normally I would think it's electricity bills or water bills, but actually it's lending. Loans. That's the number one uh biller that's uh that people are paying for, followed by electricity, followed by telco. So you're already seeing now that the base that's actually availing of the product are one the hustling mass lower income they're paying for their loans. And now what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing some CRM as well as some marketing efforts to tailor fit our messaging and where uh the messages will appear. What is the borrowing supporting? What is the bo- Oh, we have a so on, understand what I mean, right? Cuz is it it's not a housing loan. Mm. What is it? They're normally micro loans and personal loans that correct. people run for their daily or uh, monthly expenditure from other organizations. Go ahead. Yeah, Go so ahead. micro lending is also quite big. Okay. Uh and and that's what we're seeing, right? So we're now able to identify who the consumer is. We know what their behavior is. We know when they're paying their bills, and now it's about using that data to be able to serve them the right product, the right messaging at the right time. So, can we go back to your experience, right? FMCG into Google into e-commerce. No, I want to keep talking about this because sure. I think it's really important, and then into insurance. But if you have access to the idea that they're taking out loans, right? So that their transactions are paying back loans. If those loans are supporting their day-to-day life, you know what they're buying. Yeah. So then, can you extend this? I use the word extend. I like that actually. Can you extend this into the products that they're buying as well? You Correct. talk a lot about relevance, right? But it's if they're buying, they're probably paying with their phone or something connected to their digital wallet. That's true. If you know that, how do you then extend it on a micro basis then into bigger products yeah. based on the products that they're buying? If done right, the penetration can increase, the data can allow you to sell subsequent products. The question always is, are you going to do more comprehensive product immediately after a micro or are you going to do multiple micro understanding the needs and and right. covering different risks? Right. And that's I think where we are going now next. Because yeah. we've seen plenty of players that are entering the insurance market frankly say we've sold 100 million policies. Yeah. It sounds really great, but they're not that profitable. Right. Thankfully our story is different. I'm just making a point that there are plenty of other new players coming yes. into the yeah. market, right? Chubbs obviously not a new player. But that's the point that I wanted to make that if you do because you said this, if you build the product correctly and not just to hit a metric, if you're doing it thoughtfully, 
then that product actually can be profitable. And you're actually not concerned about selling 100 million policies, but you're concerned about selling policies to the right people. That's true. So then they can advance into other things. That's Sorry, I interrupted you. I wanted to give some numbers, right? So you're talking about 100 million. Uh, with Chubb uh, and Gcash, Gcash's product, we've sold around 3.4 million of these uh, bill protect policies here today. So 3.4 3, million. 3.4, sorry. Out of 66 million people connected. Yes. And this is million. just within yeah. seven months of yes. our operation. So it's like five, almost 6%. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And around 20% of those are repeat users, meaning they are availing uh, subsequent months. Right. So that's phenomenal for a country that has 2% penetration. And this is just the beginning. This is only one product. Yeah. And you were talking earlier, Michael, about you know, where do you go from here? Yeah, what does growth look like? Growth looks like embedding yourself in other everyday use cases because that's where the consumer is today. Right, but that's why I was asking before yeah. about how do you get into these other products? So how okay. does that work? And can we also talk a little bit about what's the technology that you're using? I understand the mobile phone, but there's more than that, right? Maybe dig a little bit deeper into what's the tech that you're using to get into the next product to facilitate yeah. that growth. And then how are you using the data around that as well? Okay. Yeah, so for me, uh, for CHOP, uh, the CHOP studio is very, very important because it brings the flexibility of continuously changing our propositions, testing different hypotheses, learning from data. Go ahead. And then uh, in order to make these decisions on high scale, right, we talk about millions of policies that yeah. are happening, uh, we are uh, maturing our um, uh, three modular AIs in- internally that's looking and reading a lot of this data and trying to propose the right price point from a parity perspective, the line... Uh, the benefit summary and the totals that people need because they're paying multiple bills and doing multiple transactions and, and the proposition of why should they buy this, this user versus that user. So it's not a mass, even though it's a mass channel, the proposition pricing products are not necessarily mass. Go ahead. Yeah. So first of all, we're happy that we work together very, very well hand in hand, right? So we can't do this without our partners. I think what's important with our side of, of Gcash is we manage a platform. There's multiple technology and sort of products that we use to power all of this. So what we've done is we've made sure that the product that Chubb has is embedded in the process flow or the product flow of one of our most most uh, popular use cases, which is uh, uh, pay bills, right? So there's a pay bill product user flow. And we've, we've embedded ourselves in it so much so that we study the UX. We look at if you put the pop up in this you know, stage of the journey, or if you make it this big or this small, you change the words, you actually see a difference in penetration. Are you, so, A-B, are you A-B testing in real time as well? We are able to check. So what we've been doing is we've been um, checking different types of messaging, different pop-ups, and right. we see the results. Uh, so are you surprised at all? I am. We are surprised. There was one time that we changed the, the pop-up. We decided, let's add some more information. Let's add some images. And it didn't work well. Uh, is, isn't this, the, isn't this the best part about developing products today, though? Because if you think about even just 15 or 20 years ago, right? I mean, you've, you're, you're new at the insurance business, but not new at business, yeah? Correct. If you think about 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you made a change like that, in a way, it could have been fatal. That's true. Because going back and fixing it would have been like, really? Correct. Right. Yeah, and that's the power of the data and being able to test and look at data in in real time. Being able to kind of adjust, make make mistakes, document those mistakes, so then you move on and go back to what was working. Yeah. And this classic example for me is is so humbling because we right. made those change. <laughs> <laughs> we thought <laughs> it was the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, things dropped by half for us to go back, but then apply those learnings on the other journeys that we are yeah. putting on. Yeah. It's so rare, though, to be able to get that real-time feedback. And because you know you're right. Yeah. Before you start, you know you're right. I've thought about it. I got this. Yeah. You do it, and you're like, mm, 
<laughs> Maybe I wasn't. But the great thing is you can change it. Yeah, that's And true. it's not fatal. Can I ask you this? I want to go back to this idea. You've been in the insurance business for 18 years. Yeah, banking and insurance. Insurance pair, 10, 10 years. But in still, insurance. 10 years. It's not 10 months, right? Yeah. So I always like to figure out, could you conceptualize where things were going 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and now tech has caught up to where you thought it would be? Or are you looking around now and thinking, oh, wait a second. We can do all these new things. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's yeah. for both of you, actually. That's you a great say? question. Yeah. I, I think partner or, or micro insurance or embedded in insurance has, has evolved, right? Sure. When, and the one big thing that has changed right now is the tech is cheap and easy compared to where it was five, seven years ago. For sure. Uh, you were dependent on partners and you were trying to find the right product. So insurance went through this evolution of finding the right underwriting structure, to be honest, right? Do yeah. you do micro, name basis, non-base basis, group basis, and so on? So the product, then the tech, that was very expensive because it wasn't built then. Then it was about finding partners and relevant products. So now you solve the underwriting, solve the technology, but now you want to do the 30 cent product and the 20 cent product. Right. And now where we are in terms of it is being able to now digest all this data and come up with the right product and the right next step and the right proposition. Right. I think that evolution has been very interesting for insurance. And how about for you? For me, it's, it's been so exciting overall. <laughs> I, I've, I've shifted I industries. Love to, I love talking to people that are enthusiastic. Yeah, so go ahead. I've shifted industries three times in the last five years. So and was, that, I really, was that always purposeful for you? Do you know was, what I mean? Did you look and think, that is going to be super cool and I can learn something? I did, actually. It Go was ahead. all deliberate. When I moved from FMCG, I moved to Google. I said, uh, ad tech yeah. is going to be the future. I need when to I was know in ad tech, this, right? I saw e-commerce was starting. I right. needed to be there. And then last year, I saw Gcash and financial services and fintech is where it's going to go next. Right. And I'm happy that I've been proven right all along. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a good set of moves. Um, but I think what I see here is, I love what Om said because absolutely right. The technology is getting uh, cheaper. Uh, there's so much data at our disposal. But I also think now our consumers are changing. What the pandemic did was it accelerated adoption at a mass scale. Go ahead. Everyone's now using their mobile phone apps, fintech apps. And now they're so much more receptive to new financial services that they would not have even considered before. Is there a generational change taking place but, you know, in the usage but, of stuff as well? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's such a good question, right? Normally, we think that it's only the millennials or the Gen Zs that are ahead of the curve. Right. Actually, now, what we find is, and I, w I was talking to a colleague in, in, the, in the van earlier, <laughs> you know, even the, the uncles, the, the aunties, the, grandpa, the grandparents are now using advanced financial services on their phone. And so it's amazing. I'd like to talk about this too because when I talk about innovation, and I actually taught a course on innovation at a university in Thailand. One of the things that I asked the students was, you know, they said to me, where do you come up with ideas? And I said to them, well, don't you ever go through your day-to-day -day life and think, why doesn't somebody fix this thing? Correct. That's, Correct. And that's how you figure it out. Yeah. But this is why I think it's important to note that it's not just millennials, right? Because adults, if you allow me to say, have always been thinking, why doesn't somebody fix this? And when they do, they're like, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, it is fair. And I, 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 again, with the use of the phones as well as the social media apps and the communication yes. apps, I think the inherent behavior of users have changed. They're not seeing technology as a barrier to anything. They're no. actually getting Correct. empowered by it. Correct. They're actually utilizing it for their day-to-day -day work that they used to do. They, they're literally, it's... it's becomes so obvious. Right. But I do have a follow-up question on that, if I may. Please. 
there's there's always this two two kind of schools of thought. Should insurance be invisible in journeys that we do, very embedded, or should it be obvious in front and center, enhancing that journey? So how right. how do we sit in terms of do we adopt it by making its own proposition strong? Stand strong, or, or should we hide it so that it's it's just part yeah. of that journey? I think it's such a good question, and we're learning as we go. Right in G Insure, we operate a marketplace, but we also have embedded insurance. And right now, what I'm looking at embedded insurance is cracking the model, because if you think about it, our our, our hustling mass Filipinos, a hard working Filipinos, they don't normally have enough time to think about researching insurance plans, right? Uh, figuring out what's the right one for them. They are going about their everyday. Mm. Because we're part of that everyday, we found ourselves to, uh, being relevant at the moment they need us the most, right? So after they're paying a bill for you know, $10, right? You're there at that moment. That's it's right. pre-ticked. It goes, if you, uh, if you proceed, you're going to get insurance coverage, 36 times your bill amount. Suddenly, we're also educating consumers where they normally wouldn't have been given that chance before. So I think it's a seamless part of the journey. It's not necessarily invisible mm. because you're there at the moment that they need you the most. And I think that's the right model. That's why it's so exciting. What's your view? Um, that's well said, right? Um, I mean, with, with Chubb, its businesses and partners, we've, we've seen journeys that are as successful as 50% adoption rate. Uh, in the journey wow. or conversion rate. That's and high. Is, yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's super high. And there are journeys where we have 5 or 6% of, of conversion rate. And it's a science at the end of the day. That's something that we're trying to mature internally, right? What makes a, a journey and a conversion rate work? It, and it's, 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 it's a journey. You, know, you have to test various things as we spoke about, the right price, the right proposition. But there needs a discipline, right? There needs a discipline of a structure and to making sure you're making the right steps and continuously being relevant and for me the key matrix that that that's the most important is that adoption rate right how Correct. what is the penetration in the base Correct. and that's the that's the opportunity how do you balance this idea of relevance and being there at the moment when it's needed around knowledge mm. and this idea of even if it's not there how can i get it yeah right in other words i know when i'm hungry and i know where to get dinner but sometimes I need protection and I don't know where to get it. So how do you find that balance between embedded, which is not invisible, right? But is kind of more seamless and frictionless to, wait a second, I just got this thing. I need to protect it. So how do you do that? So, you know, one of the most cliche things people say is customers don't wake up dreaming about buying insurance. You I'm, say not that's, <laughs> I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the answer to your question, it goes hand in hand. The relevance and it's our responsibility, I feel, to be at the right time, at the right Correct. place, with the right product and a message. Right. And sure. if we don't do, we fail. And rightfully, we deserve to fail. And when we do it, it it's a stellar success. And it's, it's the continuous test and optimization that you have to do in order to crack it right. I love that. I'll share another insight. Please. When we found out that the majority of our users for Bill Protect is actually our hustling mass, lower income. Did that surprise you though? It, it didn't really. It, it va validated what we were thinking. But right. then it made us review all of our messaging. Our messaging is in full English. All of the consumer prompts are in English. And to go, this if your hustling mass is the one who's um, you know, availing of this product to pay their loans, why is everything in English? So now what we're going to be doing is we'll convert it to Taglish, which is a combination of, the, of, of a more sort Tagalog of conversational in. Tagalog and English, English, because we need to find a way to make our messaging relevant and easy 
for our users, right? So how do you know that that's the method of communication? For me, I think it's coming from my experience as a marketer. Understanding that if you're going to be talking to that target segment, you need to speak their language yeah. in order to get them to pay attention. Right. Yeah? And applying that here. Yeah. So I say that language is power. Correct. So this I is agree. actually really important to me. And I don't think you can live in a society, in any society, frankly, and understand it without speaking that local language. Yeah. Because the nuances and the subtleties that are built into the languages are also built into the messages that that language is communicating. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, localizing what we're trying to protect, how we're trying to communicate is extremely important. So many right. a times, even a product naming convention, not just the commentary and the proposition yes. around it, is, is as local and as obvious and as relevant to that journey as possible. Right. And we have to agree, the, the use case that you said, uh, people who are paying loans, the hustling mass, they deserve to be speaking, spoken differently. The product, deserve, we deserve to give them the right protection and a message that's protecting their loans versus right. somebody <coughs> who's paying school fees or transportation Correct. fees or, right. or uh, the other utility bills and so on. Yeah, I mean, can I, can I say this? We often talk about financial literacy. Absolutely. But maybe it's flipped on its head. Maybe the messaging is not literally, what's the right word? It's not being financially literate to the people that are actually trying to use it because you're not speaking in their language, in yeah. quotes. Does that yeah. make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I think in my, my, my you know, many years as a marketer, I've realized that it's not just the message, but how you say it sure, that sure, really sure. matters the most. And yeah, I think yeah. that as we're going through this journey, it's getting those consumer insights and matching that with some testing to see what'll really work. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Love, I love saying this, right? So my grandfather, and I love quoting my grandfather because he was a great guy, but my grandfather used to say, it's not what you say that matters. Yes. It's how you say how it. How you say it, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's really super important. Can we talk about partnerships for a moment? When you're sitting there at scale, right, at 35,000 feet and thinking, who would make a great partner? What are you looking for? And I want to know from you too, because it's the flip side, right? Yeah. But I'm curious to start here. That's such a great question. Uh, I think for, for, for us, the partnership comes down to partners who have built trust and faith in, in their customers, right? Okay. Who, who the customers rely on, whether it's day-to-day, -day, whether it's financial solutions, whether it's other solutions. It's all about one scale, second relevance, and we always value check ourselves. Can we make our partner's proposition better? By us adding ourselves to it, right. can we add value? Can we continue the trust their customers have in them? If, if, if they have the volume and the relevance and the trust, but we can't add value to their journey, it's probably not somewhere we will raise our hands and be there. In reverse, actually, it's yeah. probably detrimental yeah. to both sides. Yeah. I mean, for, for us at Gcash, uh, we're very fortunate that we get to work with Chubb. And what we found about what's working in this relationship is there's a common goal to really see how we can develop products that will help address the needs of our consumers. And there's a, there's a good balance of innovation, a good balance of willingness to take some risks and then see how it works. And the constant communication to see how can we make this product even better. And I think, and because of that, now we have a few more things up our sleeves to launch for other use cases, which we know is going to work really well as well. So that's, it. that's the thing I want to ask, right? How comfortable are you with taking risk? Because every time you launch a new product today, it's a risk. That's true. Right? And then how do you match the risk between this company and this potential partner and vice versa? Yeah, again, a great question. Uh, it, to be, 
in in partnerships like Gcash, you have the foresight of a lot of insight. You kind of start learning about customers before you get into another journey, another product. Fair enough. But everything starts with a hypothesis. It's a belief system and confidence that we have in each other and the confidence the customers have with our partners. And you put those hypotheses up. And we spoke about technology and the flexibility of changing. I think the commitment between us and the partners is to be at it to be at it, put a discipline and a structure around it and to be at it and to make sure there's progressive improvement and there's a method to that growth. How about you? For me, I think when it comes to financial services, like what we're doing, there aren't a lot of sort of rule books on how to do it. So that's what makes it exciting. I was going to say, that's you the neat part exactly, of it, right? right? You have Where to test look? it. Oh, there's nowhere to there's look no way. So they will <laughs> learn from us. And I think that's what's the most exciting thing about this is we will test it out. We will launch a product based on how our understanding of the consumer, our understanding of the industry, our understanding of the way the product works. And let's see if it works. Let's see how it works in the first few weeks. And then let's iterate as we go. And as we keep doing this, it gives us more confidence to try new things, to launch new things. Because at the end of the day, if it's working, then let's keep at it. Let's yeah. drive that mass adoption, that increase in penetration. Did you want to say something? No, I, I just wanted to um, you know, acknowledge that. And, and that's where strategic or, or this commitment between partnerships really help, right? right. Do you know you're going to not be right. discouraged with a certain flattish performances because you know you are in it for the long run and you have the history and the methods to keep at it as i said and keep making progress i love this idea of keeping at it i really believe strongly that in business you can sit on the sideline and think let's just wait until the time is right to actually do this product to test this product or you can actually just go into it and do it sure you've got to find the right partner to do this and i say often no one succeeds alone you couldn't go and do this product by yourself. And frankly, you couldn't create the product. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So it has to work that way. But you can't sit on the sideline and think, I'm just going to wait until the right moment. You're right. You have to be at it. Yeah. Because it's when you're at it, then you can take advantage of what you've already built, the 66 million customers, the studio, and then think, how do we use all of these tools that we have to then iterate around creating the products for the right people at the right time? Because if you're not in it, you're just sitting there looking That's going, true. who knows? Exactly. But let me ask you this. While you're doing that, you're thinking, and you said this, and I think you said it as well. I want to start here. If the hustling mass is not just one mass, right, but every person then becomes very different, how do you drill down even further and use the tools you're developing, whether it's today or five years out, to personalize that yeah. so that I don't have the same product that yeah. you have? Because even if our income is the same, we're not the same. Yeah, yeah. So how does that work? Personalization of, of the end users is extremely important. And I, yeah. I, that's also the responsibility that we have. And if we are part of these millions of transactions that we have and millions of users and customers that are trusting us, it, it's very important from an execution or, or conversion rate perspective to do that. Right. From us in Gcash, we're now moving into greater personalization. How does that so work? So we realize we have several tech improvements that are happening. Specifically, one use case is in our CRM program. So do you the, build your own CRM? We do have partners that we work together. But a lot of the data that we have, the segmentation, different use cases, we feed it into our CRM. Go ahead. So much so that now we want to be able to target different types of uh, personae and different types of users based on several factors, right? So income, what are the most common use cases? Right. Um, to be able to serve them different types of messaging. So definitely a big opportunity is CRM. So that's how we're going to be uh, looking at it. But later on also, as the platform continues to evolve, we're going to have greater personalization. 
So that'll help as well. So I think for 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 all, you know, we'll have more developments from the tech side on Gcash's yeah. end, and I think that that's going to create more opportunities yeah. for even greater personalization and well segmentation. Said. And that's where a strong partner who's already so data rich and is able to segment and find the right use cases right. and the right needs of the customers is easier for us as an yeah. insurer to match that from the right coverage. The more you get involved in the insurance side of the business, do you then start? hypothesizing to use your word about the products that could be created not as an insurer right but just thinking wait a second should we do it this way and then going back and forth do you understand what i mean yeah and saying again we can't do it ourselves we can give you this insight can you create a product around this absolutely and i think that's where a lot of the new discussions are happening now so uh i mean it's it's as simple as just look at what are the top use cases that millions of filipinos are doing today they're sending money they're buying they're buying load they're paying bills they're shopping online already if you look at that there's so many opportunities to embed insurance in that journey right because they're there (laughs) millions of transactions are there so we just have to find a way to insert ourselves offer the right product be there at the at the moment of checkout and there you go it'll unlock a whole slew of opportunities and that's why uh, i was saying it uh, without revealing too much uh, we have have several things uh, up our sleeves which are exciting and i'll just add to your hypothesis question and what neil said right there is no ideal journey when you start there is no ideal product you right? cannot there right be. you cannot no matter how much data you review and how much you you kind of reference from history and so on that's why the ideal journey is actually a journey by itself you have to continue right. uh, testing various benefit levels price level proposition placements look and yes. feel in a fashion that you are developing learning that you can apply across the board and and keep improving what customer expectations are and attachment rate is. How important is it for both of you to get to a point where you can insure cohorts of people that have up until now been uninsurable? Yeah, that's, that's such a good question, right? right because, because yeah. again, I was talking to somebody in, in India as well, and one of the things that he said to me was everybody, there's a whole cohort of people in India that's just like one illness away from poverty. That's true. Right, and we talk Same. about this, but these sort of really vulnerable segments of people also deserve to be insured. Absolutely. How do we address this for us? In, for us in GCash, it's, it's our purpose is really finance for all. If you look at it, the Philippines has a whole population that's underbanked and unbanked. Right. People that would not have the access to even be able to get financial services. Right. And it's all about democratizing that, right? Giving them access, making it easy, driving education, giving them the right products at the right price points. Yeah. And I think um, it, it's so important, right? Insurance is so critical to protecting uh, you know, lives and livelihoods. And, and when, we, when we think about it, it all goes back to how do we serve our, our consumers the best. Right. For instance, there's a whole base that are consumers, right? But there's also a whole base of our users that are MSMEs, micro, small, medium enterprises, right. business owners that also need their livelihoods, their businesses. Their right, because again, they're, they're one missing exactly. sale away from Correct. going out of business, right? Correct. And yeah. normally, these types of individuals or business owners don't have the documents, the papers to be able to even uh, get an insurance policy. Or so, get a loan, to or be a fair. Loan. So right. it's all about finding out what that friction is, finding ways to address it, and then working with partners. Yeah. to come up with the products. I, I agree. And, you know, I look at it from two two aspects. One is the awareness and the education in the audience, right. whether it's individuals or MSMEs. And the second is the access, 
right? Yeah, the access correct. of insurance and the right products that meet their needs. And thankfully, technology is helping us bridge that gap. Uh, but a lot of this has to, as you said, democratize and yeah. be available in as many products, experiences, expenditure that people are doing for us to then insure them one by one and provide a better penetration of insurance. If you have people doing this on their phone, you talked about education, both of you, is there a way to provide micro snippets of knowledge as well along the Correct. way? Correct. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Without, because you don't want to bash people over the head with education. As, and what, the one thing you definitely don't want to do is tell people they're not educated. That's true. You don't know this. You can't there's no way it. to help. Yeah, but there's no way to help somebody, right? But if you can just give them little bits and pieces of information along the way, how do you figure that into the way you're building these products, but also the way you're communicating with your consumers? Yeah, I'll, I'll just add one thing. I think we were talking about it before the podcast. Perfect. The regulators in Philippines yeah. are doing a phenomenal job. How? They have the strategy paper with clear goals and guidelines of insurance penetration, right. awareness, micro-insurance, MSMEs, as you so said. So from a regulatory standpoint, there's a sense of we need to democratize. Correct. Yes. Go ahead. They're talking about at a certain stage by, I think, 2025, 2030, they have targets of one insurance penetration. They have targets of awareness. I think they are doing a lot enabling partners like GCash and the other financial institutions, right. not just to build these solutions and make them accessible, but even the presence for retail banks to be in the rural parts of Philippines for yeah. people to have access for bank accounts. Even they have done KYC digitally now, right? Correct. So there's, there's an, a government service for everybody to automate KYCs. So, Keeping regulator at the center of it in what Philippines doing, which is wonderful, all of us and our, our ecosystems then responsible to adopt and right. be available and, and, and deliver the promises. Go You've ahead. said it so well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, but I did my research. You did <laughs> very clearly. Uh, and, and I wanted to add on to that, right? So Finlit is a huge thrust of what we do. And you're so right when you said you cannot you know, um, bash them over the head with so much information. Right. You also can't talk down to them. Nope. So it's, it always goes back to how do you educate them at the right moment? Yeah. And uh, within also the app, we have educational step-by-step -step guides. Do right? you really? So we do. So if you're, and you're moving those into Taglish as well? For some, not all. Yeah, Depends again on the user, right? Yeah, yeah. But for instance, when you're, when you're clicking on a new product or a service for the first time, normally there are step-by-step -step guides that will help journey you along the way. I love this. That's another one. We are also looking at other ways to be able to create capsules of content or education so That's important. still work in development. So important, yeah. Um, and also, at the end of the day, there's a whole stream of how do we work together with government, with other institutions, with communities. So one, one big thrust that we're looking at also is how do we, for instance, the MSME segment, there's so many. How can you penetrate communities, drive Finlit there, so that you teach a few that then can help spread the message to more? Yeah. Right? So right. we have to think of models that can scale. And you want to use message. your own community Correct. To educate the rest of their community exactly. as well. I mean, the Correct. network effects there are really yes. important. Yeah. Right? Yep. I, mean, I think that's what you're suggesting. The last thing I want to ask about, because you're involved in it, and I don't know what your involvement level is, is you talked about one of the other things is crypto. Correct. And distributed ledger technology. Right? I don't care about the level of Bitcoin. I'm actually wildly indifferent. But I think the underlying technology is going to help go a long way to democratize a lot of things. Are you working on this as well? Right now, uh, no, but, but you're thinking about we're thinking it. about it, correct? Right. That, that's what I, I think, want to establish. I think what's important is, especially when it comes to, for instance, blockchain technology, there's so many different use cases. For sure. And it's all about deciding which use case to start off with first. Right. Right. I mean, we're at this stage right now where 
find the we are in a bear market, but it's actually the best time now to educate, to teach, right? I mean, to start developing products. Look, let's right? be clear: if you know anything about history, you know that the best time to start a business is now. Is is when everything's terrible? Absolutely, because Absolutely. most people are scared, and the fewer people that you're competing with, I mean, it's for every reason, right? Capital is going to be more of all these kinds of things matter. So you want to build in a recession and then benefit from the wave that comes when you come out of it. Is that fair? Absolutely. And it's the same thing in the crypto space, right? In other words, like I said, I don't care where Ethereum's trading. Correct. I really don't care. What I care is that they've gone from proof of work to proof of stake. Correct. And that they've now taken a mechanism to make things faster, more efficient, and that they've been through that whole transition because now real things can start to happen. Yeah, but that's it from, from my perspective again. The technology deserves a business application, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it keeps talking about the, f- uh, the value of these currencies. However, right. I, I remember, and you remember this too, right? Three years ago, four years ago, when crypto or blockchain in itself was such an important term from an insure tech and insurance domain Absolutely. perspective. Yeah. There have been conceptualized use cases and POCs that many insurers have actually tried behind the scene, sure, right? Sure, tried sure. to digitalize their claims, automate... Mm. Uh, automate various processes and checks and validations right. and so on and so forth. However, none of them actually went and happened, right? None of them actually... There was a lot of talk about it. A lot. There were a lot Full of... Full of sound and fury. Yeah, it was. Simplifying uh, very little. However, the personal feeling is it's, it's at the edge where the right use cases will come. Absolutely. And the actual true digitization of so many processes and insurance goes through will move on to a blockchain environment will make it more efficient right yeah. Yeah. yeah and we'll see as we go yeah i think like you know like any new technology it always starts with a lot of doubters at first sure. but then the adoption comes and sure. and like how we've developed new products or services we need to start teaching start uh, uh, experimenting then as more adoption comes you start feeding them with new products yeah so let's see Okay. Ombatya, the head of digital revenue growth at Chubb, and Neil Trinidad, the chief marketing officer at Gcash. Thank you both very Thank you. much for doing Thank this. Thank you, Mike. Great. That was Thank awesome. You. It was a pleasure. Thanks.